And we're gonna read from Luke chapter two, starting at verse one, 19 verses, so I'm gonna read really quickly, but I want you to get the, the general scheme of this whole thing. And it says, in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was general, I mean, uh, governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Last week we learned about little old Bethlehem. Because he was of the house and lineage of David, meaning King David, to be registered with Mary, his fiancee, and who was with child. And when they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Isn't it funny how sometimes you give birth in very uh, inconvenient times? Come on, ladies, back me up. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger. Everybody say manger. Because there was no place for them in the inn. So when you travel, they had these little places, little Airbnbs, if you will, and there wasn't any room in any of these Airbnbs, so they had to do what they had to do. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, laying in a manger. Why, why did the angel have to go to the extent to explain that? Because that was foreign. If you're talking about a Savior being born that day, um, they were going to have a little bit uh, of a fancier you know, cradle or a fancier room, you know? But instead, he had to be specific and say that you're going to find this baby in a manger. And suddenly there was an angel with a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and, the, and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste. That means they hurried and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby laying in a manger, just like heaven told them. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. A simple manger. Great news was found in a simple manger. Great news can be found in simple things. And that's what I wanna talk about this morning, amen? So let's pray together. Father in heaven, we ask you, Lord, to speak to each and every one of us individually, God. You know every situation in this room. You know every disappointment. You know everything we're excited about and you know everything we're distracted with. You know everything. So I pray that you, you flex on all of us right now and you show us that you can speak to every situation in this room with just one word, because you're an amazing God. So take center stage today. This moment is yours. This room is yours, this church is yours. Do what only you can do right now, in Jesus' name.
Amen. Before you're seated, say loud and proud. Say, I'm here. I'm ready. Draw me closer. Make me better. In Jesus' name. Amen. Before you're seated, compliment the person's hair next to you. And if they're bald, compliment their shine. We love bald heads here. It's the simple things, guys. It's the simple things. Shout out to my son, Chase. He survived his first semester in college. We picked him up on Friday and uh, had some fun there. And I, 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 I got to say this out loud. I'm pretty proud of him for... for uh, According to what I know, he still has above a 3.0 in college, so that's good. Um, he's still a knucklehead, but uh, he's a hustler, man. He, he started his own clothing line. I'm wearing it today. And so, stayhotbrand.com, and a uh, little shameless plug there. Uh, Stay hot. I love, I love his reasoning for calling it stay hot. Stay hot because you got to continue to fan the flames in your life. If not, you get lukewarm. Stay hot. Is that the real reason or did I just make that up? That was good either way. <laughs> so, so we picked him up on Friday. He goes to Montclair State University. We picked him up on Friday and we surprised him. We were going to go to dinner in New York City. We we're going to take a picture in front of Rockefeller Southern Tree and we did that. Um, and it was crazy, shoulder to shoulder. I, it was an exercise in my character development. Um, and it was just a simple, we didn't even get to like, you know, you could actually schedule a time to have a photographer take the picture. We didn't have time for that. We literally just took a selfie and walked away because it's the simple things, right? And this is going to bother some people. So I'm just, I, I, at times, listen, my heart, I never want to be offensive, but sometimes you could be offended by the things I say, okay? So don't be offended. We went to Olive Garden in Times Square. <laughs> Right. Some of y'all are like, you were in New York City. You could have gone any restaurant, any restaurant. Y'all decided to go to Olive Garden, right? Yes, we did. Kathy's leaving. I'm so sorry. You're offended. I told you. I don't mean to be offensive. I'm sorry. Kathy, I'm sorry. Come back. <laughs> Poor thing. She's probably going to the bathroom and I just put her on blast. But one of the things I love about Olive Garden, because then, I, here's what I've noticed, okay? Here's your first note of the day. In order to maintain passion, you know, uh, a couple weeks ago, I talked about how we had a guest uh, come in and we had a conference at our other location in Sewell. And I asked him, hey, discern what you sense here spiritually here in South Jersey. And he said things like, there's a spirit of dullness. There's a spirit of apathy that's here. Um, and I think the way to fight your apathy is to just learn to celebrate the simple things in life. If you could learn to celebrate the simple things, I think you could, you could just live a better life. So half the time, it's not what happens to you, it's what happens in you that matters. 
and, and we're so focused on what's the situation, but what we should be focused on is how we respond to the situation. It's the simple thing. So I got excited. You want to know why? Because at the end of the meal at Olive Garden, they give you those little mint chocolates. And I don't know why I'm not fronting. It makes me so excited when they give me those things. And I don't know why he gave, you know, he brings them with the bill, right? He brings them with the bill. And, uh, and we had some Olive Garden gift cards. So we used Olive Garden gift cards with, with everything. So he comes back and then he gave more to us, right? Come on. Abundance. Hallelujah. Praise God. And it just multiplied. And it was a gift of giving. And we're stuffing them in our pockets. And, and, and it's the simple things in life that makes me excited, you know? Simple things. And I think... We make fun, I used to make fun of people that used to get excited about simple things, but I'm realizing more and more that what do you, I'd rather be excited about the simple things than to be miserable about everything. Than to be miserable about everything. And in this series called Power, I'm trying to highlight the fact that I think the thing that the Christmas story kind of teaches us, last week we talked about that there's power and blessings in unexpected things. Unexpected things. And today there's power and blessings in simple things. Jesus was born in a manger. And we... We glorify the imagery now, but back then that wasn't a glorious scene. It wasn't. If you know what a manger is, this is something that was made out of wood and it was created to feed animals. It was not created for a baby to lie in. Now you think about it, when we read the old prophecies, what is he going to be? He's going to be wonderful counselor, mighty God, prince of peace. We experienced royalty born that day and royalty was born in a manger. If I was God, it would have been at the Olive Garden. Say that. <laughs> no, if I was God, I would I would look, and thank God I'm not God, but I would look at how are, how are other royal babies born? I would look at the Roman Empire, how are royal, and in the, in the Roman Empire, they, they had these things called cunes, and there were these elaborate cradles that, were, that people would carve in these, these embroidered things and, and they would make it really nice. And at times it was, it was covered in jewelry and, and it, they had these amazing rooms that the, these babies were, were, were in master suites when they were born in the Roman Empire. And then if you look over, over the river in Egypt, forget it, it was a whole nother level of how royalty was born. If I was God, oh my goodness, I would have flexed way harder than the Egyptians and the Romans right? Way harder. But instead, God in all his power, in all his knowledge, in all his wisdom, decided a simple manger. Why? Why did he decide a simple manger? Why not a grand entrance to who we're going to eventually call the king of kings? Why not? He wanted to teach us that we could find blessings in simple things. That power can be found in simple things. I'm gonna give you the end of the sermon ahead of time. If you're here today and you feel insignificant 
If you're here today and you feel like, man, like there's no way that God can use me. I'm just, my life is either too simple or too messed up. I got good news for you that he chose a manger, a manger to hold God's child, his only begotten son. So if he chose a manger, he could choose you. It's the simple things. It's the simple things that we have to lean into. Because what's the point? What's the point of living life if we're walking around miserable all the time? It's the simple things that matter. If we lean in, if we lean in, I think that's going to fight our apathy. And not only that, the biggest thing that I want you to walk away with this series is this. If God is everywhere, then you can find him anywhere. You can find him in the unexpected and you can find him in the simple things. He is everywhere. Therefore, you can find him anywhere. And what would it look like if we chose the simple things? So from the story, we're seeing a lot of simple things that I want to point out. And I want to highlight some things this morning and let you go so you could do your last minute procrastinated shopping. Come on, somebody. Here's a, here's a simple things that he's showing us. Number one, the blessings of beginnings. I think the story of Christmas shows us the blessings of beginnings, the simple beginnings, starting just a simple beginning, just enjoying the simple beginnings. The Bible says, do not despise the days of small beginnings. Why? Because everyone has to start somewhere. And all of us, especially with the American dream, we want to come out the gate big. We want to come out the gate strong. And we stress ourselves out, but there's blessings in the beginning. This was the beginning of the new covenant. This was the beginning of the storyline of a Messiah living the life I should have lived, dying the death I should have died, and then reconciling us with the Father. This was the beginning. We had no idea how this was going to look. We had no idea how this was going to turn out. But what would it look like if we just did what the shepherds did and celebrated the beginning? They didn't see what heaven saw. The reason that the multitude of angels was rejoicing because they're outside of time and space. They already see the end. The shepherds did not. They were just doing what they were called to do. They were attending the flock, but the angels were showing them, hey, let me give you a glimpse of just the beginning of this amazing story. It's the beginning. And some of us, we despise the beginnings. At times, I go down memory lane and I look at old pictures. And I, a couple weeks ago, I found a picture of our very first service at Fervent Church. I don't know if you know our story. We actually started Fervent Church in Hoboken, New Jersey. How the heck did you land out? Big story. I'll tell you later, okay? But we were in Hoboken, New Jersey. And I saw this picture. And we were meeting in a movie theater. And in that movie theater, I remember sitting in the back and taking a picture. And a part of me was discouraged because it was only about like 40 people in this huge movie theater. I think Liz, she's probably the only one that was present during that time. It was about 40 people. And, and I remember being discouraged. But I love looking back at that picture because then I see... Uh, and again, I took it from the back. I see the back of the head of this guy named Rich who was the first person that I led to the Lord in Hoboken. And he would make, he was the owner of a UFC boxing gym in Hoboken. And he made all his fighters 
come to Bible study, okay? So I wish you would try to mess with my church in the beginning, all right? And, 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 and I remember seeing my man, Eric, and at the time he was an agent and he would connect me to a certain people there. And at the time I would watch, you know, Liz, who, who's still leading worship to this day. She was just starting out of Bible college. And, and I'm looking at these individuals, even though I was discouraged at the moment, when I look back, I realized how important it was to celebrate the beginning. Because powerful things happened after that beginning, I didn't know. I was discouraged with the 40, but I didn't realize that just a couple weeks later, we were going to have Hurricane Sandy come through. And then I thought, man, forget it. We're done. This whole church thing is over. But instead, God leveraged that, and it helped us reach even more people outside of Sunday for the kingdom of God. Do not despise the days of small beginnings. So stop real quick. What, what, are, what are the small beginnings that you're rejecting today? that God wants to show you that I'm gonna reveal my power in that. This is the principle you gotta understand. God doesn't give us orchards. He gives us seeds. Come on, follow me. Some of you, you're rejecting a grape while you're praying for the vineyard. So you're thinking about it. I don't know, do, do I really want to start all over in this church? Do I really want to do this? Do I really want to start a new job? Do I really want to start a new family? Do, and and you, you just want to get there, right? You just want to get there. And you're looking at the big picture rather than just celebrating the simple beginnings. That's where the power is. He doesn't give us a forest. He gives us a seed. And there are times we get frustrated with the seed, but the seed contains so much power. If I was your enemy, if I was your enemy, I wouldn't wait for you to get your harvest. I wouldn't wait for you to get your forest, your orchard, your vineyard. And metaphorically, you know what that means. I wouldn't wait for you to get to the top of the ladder. I discourage you at the bottom of the ladder. Oh, if I was the enemy, I'd, I'd, make, you, I'd make you not Think you're better than that, that startup. Better than that starting entry position. I, I have you discouraged at the bottom. I won't try to attack you at the mountaintop. I'll attack you at the bottom. If I could discourage you there, then you're never going to start. Can somebody thank God right now that I'm not your enemy? Can somebody thank God right now that I'm saved, sanctified, and Holy Ghost filled? Right? Because I'd make a good enemy. I make a good bad guy. Most bald guys are typecasted as the bad guy. <laughs> right or wrong, right? Come on, Kingpin, Lex Luthor, Dr. Evil, all, all, all bald. We make good bad guys, all right? Edit that out. Because <laughs> I'm a good guy. But to celebrate and understand that there's power in beginnings. There's power in beginnings. And don't allow the enemy to discourage you when you're just a seed. Because when you see a seed, God sees a harvest. Celebrate the simple things like beginnings. Second thing I want you to celebrate, and some of y'all ain't gonna like this, but this is good. Celebrate the blessings of no. A simple no. Pastor Mike, where'd you get no out of the text? Well, I'm going to jump 
Because, you know, the, the, the story of Jesus is found in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We call that the four Gospels. And so I, I, read, from, I read from Luke, but over in Matthew, kind of running parallel, we have the background story of Joseph and the background story of Mary over, over in Luke chapter 1. And in Matthew, um, listen to us, and her husband Joseph being just a man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. So it was like, it, it, it was set up, marriage was set up a little differently there. Like, so when you were engaged, it was already legal, okay? You still couldn't just um, live in the abundance of the marriage until the ceremony, you know what I mean? You pick up what I'm laying down? Okay. But there's some kids in the room, okay? But you were already contractually obligated to be with this person for the rest of your life, even when you were engaged, okay? So that's why in his mind, he's like, this is, this is traumatic, Okay, I didn't touch her and now she's pregnant. This is crazy, so I, I'm not gonna put shade on her. I'm not gonna bring shame to my family, so I'm just gonna divorce her quietly. That's my plan. Everybody say, my plan. But heaven said no. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Heaven said, hey, that, that nice, godly plan that you think you have. No. I don't want you to do that. Absolutely not. No. But, but, but you don't understand, there's going to be gossip. And what is my mother going to think? What is my father going to think, right? What is, what is that judgmental aunt in church going to think? Everybody has one, right? What's going to happen? But <laughs> heaven blessed him with a no. And there are moments in my life where I want something. I want something really bad. And heaven says no. Or what's even worse than a no is a not yet. It's a not yet. That's even worse, because like, you, you, you want to give it to me, but I can't have it now? How about can I just, can I just, can I hold on to it for a second? I'll give it right back. A not yet. A delay and a no from God is still a blessing from God. Write that down. Why? Because he's a good God that gives good gifts to his children. So in this Christmas story, he told Joseph, no, you're, you, I need you to brace all the gossip, all the pain, and I need you to be the stepfather to the savior of the world. Ain't that a trip? <laughs> stepfather to the savior of the world. The pressure, you know? I can't imagine what, like, what did it look like when he had to discipline Jesus? You know? What did that look like? Did Jesus ever go, you're not my dad? No, he didn't do that. He didn't do that. Jesus was perfect. He did not do that. But just the pressure of it, and he accepted heaven's no. Some of you, you're praying about something. Follow me for a second. Now we're going to get serious again. You're praying about something. God already told you no, and you keep on praying about it. You think you could, you could just change his mind. <laughs> or he told you not yet. And you keep on praying about it. 
After a while, that's not prayer, that's nagging. I'm talking about when you have your answer. Some of you are like, I'm still praying for an answer. That's fine. But for some of us, you know darn well God said, not now. God said, no. And you're like, yeah, 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 but in Jesus' name, I believe you're going to come through. You're going to do it. Won't he do it? Won't he do it? And you keep on praying. I'm telling you right now, when my kids, after I say no, and my kids keep on asking, I consider that disrespectful. Because they, I hope and pray that as they get older and they look back on all my no's that I've given them, that my no's wasn't to curse them, my no's were to bless them. And in the same way, God's not cursing you with a no. He's blessing you with a no. Because every good gift comes from the Father. Y'all getting this? Last simple thing that I want to hit you up with today. It's the blessings of being childlike. Again, if I was God, he could have done this. He could have just dropped Jesus on planet Earth as a 33-year-old man ready to kick butt and take names. He could have done it that way. That, you know, if we see in Genesis, that's what he did, right? He just made Adam as a man, not as a baby, as a man with no belly button. Think about that. The front row's confused. <laughs> the reason you have a belly button is because you had an umbilical cord to your mommy. There was no umbilical cord back then, so ergo, he just had an eight pack. That's it. <laughs> so if I was God, I would've dropped him down as a man, but there was something powerful about watching our Jesus grow. Luke 2.52 says this, that he grew in wisdom, in stature, in favor with God, and in favor with man. Jesus grew. His starting point was a baby. His starting point was a child. He was teaching us something. Here's what the Bible says about being childlike. Write this down. It won't be on the screen, but Matthew 18.3. And he said this, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoo. What do you mean, little children? He, he said it again in Mark 10, 15. He goes, truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. There's this potency in childlike faith. There's this potency in just the simplicity of maintaining this childlikeness to our development. My prayer for us is this, that we have childlike faith with adult-like behaviors. We still need to grow, but there's something about being childlike that God says, hey, celebrate that. There's power in being childlike. Listen to me, if you're a young person here, here's my best advice to you. Don't grow up so fast. One of my biggest regrets is like, I just grew up, I couldn't wait to be an adult. I couldn't wait to be an adult. I just wanted to rush to be an adult. I just, I can't wait till I'm 21, I can't wait till I'm 30. I can't wait, it's stupid. So my best advice to you, freeload till they kick you out. Come on, somebody. <laughs> she just blessed you with a no, buddy. She blessed you with a no. I said, until they kick you out. 
We're trying to grow up so fast, but there's a part of us that needs to remain childlike. I love it when a child op- opens up gifts on a, on, a, on a Christmas morning. I love it when a child just believes what their parent says. I love when, when a child is excited about the simple things. And I think for some of us, maybe a part of our apathy is that we're just grown up and grumpy. And can we go back to just being childlike? And I think it's important for us to maintain And my wife's going to get mad. I've been writing this book for years, and I promise you I'm going to finish it. Resolution 2024, finish the book. In the book, it talks about your identity, and the basis of your identity needs to be that you are a child of God. If it's anything else, it's a faulty foundation. And here's why it's important, okay? I was drawing this up the other day, and hopefully this will will make sense. So uh, here's here's a little drawing I made on my iPad here. Um, So... This first column over here is like, when you talk about I am, this is your identity. And this is important because people don't see things as they are. They see things as they are. So your identity determines how you see things. Okay? So it has to start with I am. And here's why. Because if you don't start with who you are, then this is how you see God. So after you say I am, then you refer to God as God is then my heavenly something, but it's based off of your identity. Y'all following me? And then because you project how you, you, your identity to what you see, then you think this is how God sees things. And so after you identify who God is, your heavenly, not yet. That's all right. Leave it there. Uh, Why well, you see that? For the Lord God Almighty. All right. He cares mostly about my, right? So here's the first one. If you just consider yourself religious, some people walk around. Now you can throw the second line. Some people walk around saying, I'm, I'm just a religious person. And I run into this a lot because I am myself a recovering Catholic and a recovering Catholics in the house. All right. I'll meet you at the confessional after mass today. I want to know all your dirty secrets. But if you just see yourself a religious, watch what happens. Then what is God? God is my heavenly judge. And then what does he care mostly about? He just cares about my performance. You see how that works? When it starts about your identity? Or maybe you're this other person where you just consider yourself a worker. Raise your hand if you just, you're just a good worker. I just love to serve. I just love to work. I'm just, I'm just a worker, right? So if you say, I am a worker, then what is God? God is my heavenly boss. And then what does he care about? He only cares, he cares mostly just about my service. You see how it starts with your identity? You got to be cautious with this. Or, and this gets a little ugly, maybe you're just like, when you look at church, you might not use this term, but you're just a client. You're just a client to the church. I am a client of fervent church. So when you're just a client, God is my heavenly therapist, and all he cares about is my happiness. All he cares about is my happiness. But then this is, the, this, is, this is it. When you being a child of God, and that's the foundation. So the next one, if I am a child of God, if that is the foundation of your identity. If I am a child of God, then watch this. God is my heavenly father. And then what does he care most about? He cares most about his presence. That's so important. Because some of us, you're like, I'm... Even if it's, I should have put, I am just a Christian. 
You probably put that up with religious. Then you're only looking at God as either a judge or a boss or someone just telling you what to do. And it's all about your performance. It's all about how it looks on the outside. But if, you, if your starting point, if you understand the simplicity of being childlike, if you stand on the fact that I am a child of God, that means God is my heavenly father and he cares mostly about his presence. His presence. Not only, and I, I wrote the word presence because not only does he care about his presence, he cares about your presence in his presence. That's why the foundation needs to be that you are a child of God. Nothing else. Nothing else. You could be a child of God and something else, but the foundation needs to be that. Because if not, God is just your heavenly something that he never set out to be. And when Jesus teaches us to pray, he teaches us all to pray this way, our Father. Why did he teach us to always pray that way? Our Father. Maybe it's also a subtle reminder that every time we pray, every time we talk to God Almighty, to recognize that your starting point is that you are a child of God. That frames up everything. Think about that because isn't that why if you're just religious and you're going to God for prayer, some of us, we come in with our head down and we pray like this, God, if you want to bless me today, would you mind doing this? Could you come through this way? God, if you want to heal me, if you want to provide for me, what you mean if? But if we started off by saying, I'm a child of God, Father, Father, and I know for me, I, I don't have the greatest relationship with my biological father. This is an area that I needed a lot of healing in, but on the other side of my healing, when I go to God as father, yes, I come to him with respect, but I also come to him with intimacy. And if you just maintain that childlike faith, if you could look to God with intimacy and authority, father, I need your help. And what father in this room would not jump up and do anything for their child? But instead, when we're, we're struggling with our image of ourselves, and we're struggling with our image of God, you think that all he cares about is your performance. All he cares about is your service. And for some of us spoiled people, all he cares about is your happiness. And so when you're not happy, then you start questioning, is there a God? I don't know about you. I want to talk to the parents. Sometimes I don't give a rip if my child is happy. <laughs> I care more about that he's healthy. I care more about that he's growing. Because sometimes being healthy and growing doesn't feel good. We call it growing pains. Trust me, I want them to be happy, but that's not my primary concern as a father. And sometimes when we mix it up and we have this spoiled Christianity that says, I'm just a client. He's my therapist. God, fix me. Help me. Make me happy. Make me joyful. He doesn't want to be your therapist. He wants to be your father. And sometimes your father will counsel you, and sometimes he'll discipline you. 
Sometimes he'll make you rest. And sometimes he'll tell you to get your behind up. We got some things to do. Because he's a good dad that gives good gifts to his children. But we miss it. We miss it when we overlook just the simplicity of life sometimes. And it's the simple things. It's the simple things. Can I read? I like sometimes reading from the message version, you know, when I've been preaching for almost 20, actually more than 20 years, and so sometimes I gotta keep things interesting, so I jump from different translations, and the message version is just a paraphrase. It's not a direct translation, but it's a paraphrase. And I love this from 1 Corinthians 1, 26 to 31. If you're in this room and you feel like your life doesn't matter, you feel like you're not gifted enough, you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you're not holy enough, I want you to listen to this. The Apostle Paul, as he's writing to the Corinthian church, he says this, take a look, take a good look, friends, at who you were when God called you into this life. When God called me into this life, I was uh, an ex-drug dealer, an angry, fatherless male trying to prove to the world that he doesn't need anyone. So sometimes you got to remind yourself who you were before he called you. So Paul's encouraging, take a good look, friends, at who you were when you got called into this life. <laughs> and it, it almost sounds like he's making fun of them, but he's encouraging them. And he says this, I don't see many of the brightest and best among you. Not many influential, not many high society families. Isn't it obvious that God deliberately chose men and women that the culture overlooks and exploits and abuses, chose these nobodies to expose the hollow pretensions of the somebodies. That makes it quite clear that none of you can get by without blowing your own horn before God. Everything that we have, right thinking, right living, a clean slate, a fresh start comes from God by the way of Jesus. This is why we have this saying, if you're going to blow a horn, blow a trumpet for God. He didn't, show, he didn't choose the brightest and the best, the most influential, the high society families. Why did he choose a bunch of nobodies? Because God loves, loves blessing the world through simple things. Loves it. It reveals his power. And I'm not saying that God isn't going to use your giftings and your talents. But at times, some of us need to surrender our giftings and our talents and just be nobodies before God so that God can show off his power to this world. It's the simple things. It's the simple things. I'm going to ask you to stand, and I just want to spend some time Spend some time praying over us. <clears throat> if 
If you could do me, yeah, thank you. I was going to ask you to turn off the house lights, keep this moment intimate. Every head bowed, every eyes closed. I was thinking about doing this many different ways, but I'm, I'm going to do it this way this morning. <clears throat> I want to pray for a few types of people in the room. So if you can, make sure that you maintain the privacy and um, keep your eyes closed. And I just want to talk to a couple people today. There are some people in this room that you are on the verge of giving up. I'm going to go to the extreme as in like giving up on a relationship, maybe giving up on church, and also giving up on life. Maybe there's some people in this room that the whispers of suicide have been in your ear. Sometimes as, as joyful as we like this season to be, this could be really heavy emotionally. And I want to pray for you, those people that are just, you're on the, you're on the verge of quitting. Because maybe you've been listening to the lies of the enemy that <clears throat> you're not good enough. This isn't good enough. It's never going to happen. I just feel called by God to tell you that is a lie from the pit of hell. And not only that God wants to use you, he will use you if you place yourself in his hands.